So, Paul, Hello. when was the last time you had a pair of snake eyes, and what did you do with them? Ooh, to be honest, I'm not cool enough to do any gambling. I'm not cool enough mm. to have any sort of crippling dependency on the feeling of exhilaration that comes from risking money that I don't have. I'm not that yeah, cool. Just... So it's probably D&D related. <laughs> uh, okay, what about actual snake eyes? Oh, actual snake's eyes. Um, yeah. It's funny you should say that because I was um I, I forgot that I was uh that you were doing the hosting this week and so I wrote my first line for the intro. Um oh, yeah. and I'll just just share it with you because uh, it would be hilarious if it turns out to be the exact same thing that you wrote. It would really add further <laughs> credence to the idea that we are in fact the same person. Yeah, I'm nervous now. <laughs> so my intro is gonna be Hello, welcome to one good thing, the podcast has got snake eyes. <laughs> Look, I, I definitely at some point in the intro, I've got <laughs> snake eyes and capital letters, parenthesis, beaten up Nick Cage voice. It's, but it, it's not its not the first line. Oh, I would have so, led with it, you see. That's why I'm the yeah. hack. <laughs> no, I, I slip it in there, multi-layered intro, Paul. Just You're going to be so confused. We got snake eyes and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> That only has an hour, so Paul, let's quickfire. Oh shit! Um, Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Take Great. that. We've got a lot to get through. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I agree, and I love everything <laughs> that you're bringing to this. I'm eager to get ringside. I'm Paul Santoro, and I sat down exactly when they wanted me to. Ah, oh, fuck! You're always doing that. Always <laughs> sitting. Exactly when I'm expected to. That's right. I give them people what they want. <laughs> exactly and precisely where. No, nobody says. Nobody passes you an envelope. I've never had to or... ask someone, uh, would you like me to sit here? I just always make the right choice first time. And they go, very nice. <laughs> you can fuck me now. <laughs> oh, that would involve standing up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily. Uh, today, I've been given fight night tickets by my good, not evil friend, Paul Saltonese for Snake Eyes. Watch carefully. That seem right to you? Kevin, that is right in so many ways. No, I mean a beautiful woman alone at a fight. A crime is about to be committed. Now listen to me, Mr. Secretary. I am telling you, you're the one that's going to be sorry. You will be a witness. And the hardest thing to spot will be the truth. <laughs> uh, because apparently it's good. Says this clown. This film stars Nicolas Cage and Gary Sinise, who plays Kevin Dunn, who is confusingly <laughs> also in this movie. Yeah. You know Kevin Dunn as Sam Witwicky's dad in Transformers and Joel Edgerton's boss in Warrior, and as Gary Sinise in this. <laughs> Critics rolled the dice to discover they were literal snake eyes and still attached to the snake. Owen Gleiberman at Entertainment Weekly said, quote, not available. He's a tease, that one. Oh, shit! Oh. <laughs> he published that. He went to fucking, <laughs> he went to fucking print with that. Hold the front page! <laughs> he got that woman past the editor must be his amazing balls so um, just scrolling past all the really several really positive reviews Jeffrey Westhoff of Northwest Herald says Snake Eyes opens on a roll but ultimately craps out <laughs> oh is this fucking okay wait get that mustache off and Peter Travers <laughs> come on get out of here Peter you Travers scamp. slash Bradshaw I recognise those tiny feet anywhere <laughs> shuffling away get him 
It's fine, you don't have to run. <laughs> Maitland McDonough of TV Guide and three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri says, uh, Brian De Palma's exercise in flashy paranoia and shallow cynicism comes out of the gate like gangbusters, but falls apart in a flurry of preposterous plotting. Oh, I want to introduce nothing... you to my sexual ancient Roman alter ego, Paul. Preposterous <laughs> plotting. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it is terrible when cynicism collapses in a pathetic mess. Because then it can't even... <laughs> cool. oh, fine. It's typical, actually. I wanted that to happen. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Do you want me to, want me to give you a hand up? You would, wouldn't you? Because you're part of the Libya, <laughs> liberal intelligentia. Uh, fine, here is my wanna... butt in poop. Uh, do you want to just stay down there? Might as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't help but feel a simile would have been better, yeah. Falls <laughs> apart like a cake made of live, wingless bees. It rolls off the tongue. <laughs> such, a, such a relatable simile that we've all known. <laughs> And well, after everybody gets over the PTSD of that um, of recording that particular moment in their lives, <laughs> Robert Robert Roten. Sorry, I had to check that that was an actual name, and I hadn't just failed. <laughs> Robert Rotor badly copy pasted that. Robert <laughs> Roten of Laramie Movie Scope writes: starts on a roll, but finally craps out. Wow. <laughs> what? You did, did I stroke did out it. for a minute there? You, two critics came up with the exact same fucking gag. Yeah, they done did it, Paul. They done fucked wow. up. <laughs> they don't fucked up they, now. They thought of the cleverest thing they could think of, and they and they thought, yeah, I'm just going to go with that. He's going to get tagged thought, by some really passive aggressive fucking Twitter phenomenon. He's going to come yeah. along and point out all the people who made that gag, and they might think for a minute that it's something good. It's not. <laughs> First thing you can like, everyone says, go go with your gut on this. Don't ever do that. Never. But, not in film criticism. You get laughed at the business. You think Peter Travers goes with his gut? His gut tells him, no, don't do something <laughs> shockingly awful and detrimental to humanity. But he kicks his tiny feet into his gut and he decides to do something anyway. He listens to the sound of the ocean echoing in his tiny shoes. <laughs> um, so, He's highly David prized. Denby. It's why all those um, scalpers are after him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get those tiny shoes! Oh boy! <laughs> He's walking away in those leather conches. David Denby at New York Magazine slash Vulture. Uh, mean from Rotten Tomatoes. David there. Denby. David Denby. You've gone from David Denby to Denby Dildo. I can't think of another movie that starts so brilliantly and ends so miserably as this one. Oh, so yeah, yeah, that's, well. that's the end of that one. I didn't, I didn't write anything <laughs> else after that. I thought. It's pithy. Yeah, it is. It is it's pithy, isn't it's it? It's to the point um, it makes a statement. I respectfully disagree. Uh, <laughs> finally, from the critics, uh, Tu Man Chun, writing at tech.mit.edu, says, promising start, but craps out. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Had to go really hunting for that last one. I thought, oh, there's got to be a third one. And there was. It was Rule just, of threes. Works in reality. Yeah. Someone else has done this. It was just tech.mit.edu, not the AV Club. <laughs> Shame. Because this is this is a wing of film criticism, Paul. That I uh, this is this is not what I would do. I would take a, a Kerouacian Kerouac amount of barbiturates and, and and just tell a story in my review that had nothing to do with the, the plot or director at all. Fact, the Charlie um, Brooker approach, in which you complain about the price of cinema popcorn and then say the Avengers was all right. Yeah, exactly. The public, on the other hand, are about as consistent and on task as a Nicolas Cage and a Brian De Palma wanna. GPU on IMDb says one of the best movies of De Palma, a formal masterpiece, a, formal a completely one. new movie where form and vision become the substance of a story of dissolution of a consciousness and of a world. Double characters and multiple points of perception. An opening scene technically stunning and artistically perfect, centered on an indirect perceiver, Cage. While everything happens on the on the background. 
multiple endings in every sense, and an extremely rigorous style up to the last image. Split-screen sequences as a poetic synthesis of truth and a completely new relationship between subjective and objective reality. Abstract cinema at its best and a real postmodern nightmare. Wank, wank, wank. I'm the best. Signed, GPE. <laughs> Did I write that? I'm going to need you to read it again because I had three points I wanted to pick up on and I forgot each one as the next one came up. <laughs> How many senses can multiple endings be taken in? A multiple ending yeah. in every sense. <laughs> Name them. Name all the senses of that. Yeah. <laughs> Olfactory. <laughs> I like something that's technically stunning. Oh, yeah, technically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna, you yeah, wanna, maybe this is a fucking cynical review. And you you want to put it to the books. It <laughs> well, it's technically stunning. Tour de force changes the art form. Technically. Yeah. <laughs> technically perfect. S- spiritually, though. Um, <laughs> anyway, off to write Howl and then my review of the Goldfinch. <laughs> Need they be separate? Last last week or the uh, fortnight ago proves no. Maybe. No? Matt DM mm. at IMDb says starts out showing potential, turns out to suck. The beginning is really cool, and there looks to be a great convoluted conspiracy plot developing. I love convoluted plots. That's yeah. great. Um, but there isn't. Your first guess might not be right, but your second one will be, and there's no surprises from there. The ending is particularly lame, with a series of coincidences standing in for an actual plot. Mm. So um, I, sh- I can't host, because I just get really, I get really bitter. <laughs> is that what it um, says? It's just a bunch of people you disagree with. How many more are there? <laughs> of people I disagree with? <laughs> That you're planning on mentioning in the next four minutes. There is there is one more review, Paul. I, I've got a great one. Okay. Um, I'm here for it. Incidentally, okay. I always turn out to suck. <laughs> <laughs> Very cheap. <laughs> okay. Uh, finally, Layback, writing on IMDb, says, Questions, questions, questions! <gasps> and don't worry, you can just say yes to every single one of these. One, is Rick the only cop in Atlantic City? Yes. Where did all the FBI agents go? Yeah. Where did, the, did the fat guy get killed in his hotel room? Yeah, Maybe. Come How come those two soldiers who were killed couldn't be trusted, but the other dozen people who were involved in the conspiracy could be? Yeah, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> number number five. Does the Secretary of Defense have final say in regards to how all money in the defense budget will be spent? <laughs> could do. Yeah, I don't probably. know how America... America, how do you work? How do you work, America? Number six. How did the place clear out so fast to 20,000 fight fans when no one was being allowed out of the building? With they Jack didn't. Nicholson and Leonardo DiCaprio there. Yeah, this film really sucks. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they didn't, they were in the tunnels they, they were fine, they were just having fun, leave them alone 7, <laughs> do casinos really have a thousand cameras? yes uh, 8, Probably. how come Rick was the only one who could figure out that the champ took a dive when it was clear as day on the videotape? didn't they watch it on ESPN Sports Center? it wasn't broadcast no, it wasn't broadcast, the president got shot um, 9, what were those things that looked like missiles doing in the basement of a casino in New Jersey? they were put there by the military industrial complex and Gary <laughs> Sinise and number 10 what were Cage, De Palma, and the scriptwriter thinking? <laughs> what were they? They thought they might make a film. People might watch it. People like me. Like people did. like you who loved who loved this. That's forty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. Six on IMDb. So Paul, you prairie populist. Oh, snake eyes. Great. What is it about snake <laughs> eyes that made you want to write a letter to your lovely wife? Okay, we're gonna go on a little trip to my childhood. Okay. So we are somewhere between nineteen ninety eight and two thousand one. That's the only. That's all I can narrow it down to. Probably closer to 98. So I'm between 10 or and 13 years old. Closer to 10. And Cobra my f- is in the past. Cobra, it's just, it's all gone. And my family is on holiday in Wales. 
we would go and stay at Key West Caravan Park and have a wonderful time. Please go there and pay us money, please, Key West Caravan Park. Um, <laughs> we did that every summer for about... I wonder if there's a Key East. It's always greener, isn't it? We did that every summer for about a decade in my childhood. And one day we go into a shop in Wales and naturally I go straight for the videos. Um, funnily enough, videos you buy in Wales work back here in England. Also, if you die in Wales, you die in real life as well. It's something that I don't really tell you about. But um, Really? That's dark. I know, it's upsetting. So I'm already an action fan at this point and I believe I've already seen Con Air and Face Off, which is why I get drawn to this. I use nice. my precious pocket money, which... Yeah, it was very very dear. And I buy three videotapes from this shop in Wales. I buy Die Hard... They're £48 pounds a piece. They're £48 pounds a piece, so I had, to, I had to work a lot of shafts in order to get that going. I used to work down a mine shaft. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. I buy Die Hard with a Vengeance, Desperado, nice. and nice. Snake Eyes. Remember, I'm clo- mm. close, closer to ten at this stage. Because Nick Cage is in it, therefore it's an action movie. Thank God I didn't happen yes. upon 8mm at this stage, which was also <laughs> floating around around this time. Um, I watch all of these movies in the caravan on the tiny little TV with the video built in. Of course, I insist dad haul up from London. It'll keep the kids quiet for several hours as they watch Snake Eyes. Um, <laughs> and I believe I, snave, I, I say, oh, fuck. I saved Snake Eyes for last. I, I snaked Snave Eyes for last. Um, this is horrible. In this little film festival I was having in caravan number 84. Um, I can't Aww. guarantee it was that one. You got a different caravan each year. It's very much part of the thrill. Have you got are there VHSs around there? Is there one of Snake Eyes that has that little um, like laurel and then in, in, in the middle of it it says Caravan 84, Caravan 84. Film Festival 1998. Enjoyed by Paul Salt, cinema twat. Yeah. <laughs> there is, there is. I've written it on in pen. Um, but it's, and it's not an action movie. It's not an action movie like Die Hard with a Vengeance or Desperado. Not like that at all. There's no massive no. explosions, no snappy one-liners. Summer Hayek naked. It's um, a great disappointment. But I remember getting totally absorbed into this story, even as a kid. Hmm. Into this boring, talky story. How did that happen? It sucks. Let's find out. Well, Paul, that sounds yummy. <laughs> what happens in Snake Eyes? <laughs> well, we start with the worst cameraman in history trying to cover an unhappy weather person who's covering a storm happening outside of a big fight that's going to happen. A big boxing match. Out of a fight night fight. A fight night fight. Everyone loves those. But we're also inside, thanks to camera work and editing. And yeah, like you say, uh, Dad from Transformers, uh, the, yeah. real, the 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 OG Kevin Dunn, is uh, himself <laughs> trans is himself transformed <laughs> from Transformers. I should have said that quicker. Very good. Um, Dad from oh, Transformers is himself transformed by a close encounter with Primo Nicholas Cage. You're gonna get your big fat smile all over the tube. Hi, Rick Santoro. Hello, Richard Santoro. I'm Ricky. Everybody loves Rick Santoro. Oh, it's Primo, isn't it? Oh man, he's... fresh out the box. Oh. A piece for hours, and he is Nick uh, Rick Santoro, <laughs> not Nick. He's Rick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't be typecast. I need to be playing someone totally unlike myself. <laughs> Change the name to Rick. It's perfect. <laughs> so I see it now. Cage is being sketchy. He's placing bets. He's a bit crooked. Yep. He's hitting on the ladies, even though he's married. And he's inexplicably oh. remaining friends with Kevin Dunn, who, like you say, is not <laughs> being played by Kevin Dunn, who in this movie is playing Low Logan. Gary Sinise plays Kevin Dunn, the character, not the actor yeah. who's played by Kevin Dunn. Yeah, and Nick Cage plays Gary Sinise. <laughs> it's very confusing. Why did they do this? <laughs> Why Brian De Palma? Oh, I'm not Brian De Palma. My character name is Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma's <laughs> over there playing Carla Cugino. <laughs> Jesus. And what's Carla Cugino doing? She's been dead near now in 20 years. <laughs> Brian De Palma's been filling in perfectly. So, <laughs> are you have a surreal Seamless moment? 
Because I watched Kick-Ass today, and the hilarious mob captain from that plays a scumbag bookie in this called Jimmy George! Jimmy George! <laughs> oh, and Nicolas Good Cage name. is here. And Chloe Grace Moretz playing Kevin Dunn. Oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> Kevin Dunn looks amazing as Chloe Grace Moretz. <laughs> he pulls it off. I can't believe he got that look, but he did. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's the fight. We're here at the fight. Yeah. Cage is here, and he's implausibly remaining friends with Kevin Dunn, who is not played by, who is Gary Sinise. We'll refer to him as Gary Sinise. <laughs> Um, fuck me. I didn't think I'd actually genuinely get confused by that, but I did. I thought I'd hilariously spin a web of confusion for our audience, but then I got sucked in. It's, it's nice to do it on intentionally, isn't it? For it's hoisted by my own Kevin Dunn. So, yes, Kevin... Oh, fuck me. Gary Sinise is... Um, an army man looking after He's the Secretary man. of Defense. And the Secretary of Defense yeah. gets a huge round of applause from the fight crowd. They fucking love that complex <laughs> that he's a part of. Love it. We they also, really do, though. There's also a Trump-alike. Um, yes, Kevin McAllister's dad. <laughs> fuck, so it is! Brilliant! Oh, you gotta love that. <laughs> yeah. Trump would have left his Ooh. fucking kids at home. Oh my god, honey, I think <laughs> I left the kids at home. I don't care. So, <laughs> we introduce a GPS system, and I make a note... Uh, so that I can sarcastically mention it here as something that's set up and never paid off. But then I remember it does pay off way at the end. It's hard to do this with good films. It's because Brian De Palma is, um, he's basically a conspiracy theorist himself and he's thought all this through. <laughs> he believes very much so in how the sausages are made, if you get my meaning. <laughs> no, I definitely don't. So, <laughs> well, there's a redhead and it's there very is a suspicious. Redhead. Uh-oh. And also Cage is doing his best Matthew Broderick at a Christmas fair impression and yells suggestively at everyone. <laughs> Carla Cugino shows up and um, sits down where um, Gary Sinise got up and um, handles some unwelcome and overbearing sexual attention like a trooper. Hey, I dig affection, baby, but not while I'm driving. We see him the oh, sorry. That seat's taken. But you can sit here. I'll just need one minute. Me too. <laughs> yeah, but it's okay because he's the hero of the movie later. So, um, and, and he'll, he'll, he'll realise that he shouldn't come on that strong. In the future. What? Just... Off screen, he realizes this. Um, yeah. <laughs> we should, in a subtitle. Written by Brian De Palma <laughs> as part of a Star Wars text crawl that never got used. Um, well, anyway, she... He tweets it, Rowling-esque. <laughs> he... <laughs> he handles... Um, sorry, she handles Cage quite well. What she doesn't handle well is the Secretary of Defense getting shot, and also her. Yeah. She gets shot on the arm. She gets an arm shot, and yeah, uh, she right gets her glasses stomped on. By somebody oh, who man, hates that's... intellectuals. By Pol Pot. He's, uh, <laughs> come back to life to take out the intellectuals in the boxing ring. He's going to take them out at your moment of greatest weakness. It'll happen to you. <laughs> You'll meet that girl. The one at last. Perfect. You're finally going to be happy forever. And oh shit, it's Pol Pot! <laughs> Thought you were a poem, would you? Intellectual. It's, it's fucking agenda. He's got your glasses. And now you look like a twat. <laughs> and you don't even know what she looks like. You're a real numpty. Can... You shouldn't have let Pol Pot get to you. <laughs> Michael Caine's there You're to explain fucking... it. <laughs> You're a doubt. Let Paul Potter. So yeah, um, Pre- uh, Secretary of Defense gets shot up. Yes, and uh, Nick Cage goes, "Oh, I am a cop. <laughs> I should probably do something." Sinise is really upset because he did his job bad. He did a bad job. Yeah. He was the bodyguard here. Apparently, we get a nice long shot of Carla Cugino in her bra because Brian De Palma directed this. <laughs> Gotta love that. Cage assures, assures Sinise, don't worry, 
just say you were following a suspicious person, that redhead with the boobs, Brand Palmer. Yeah. And then <laughs> you happen to notice the assassin and you shot him and it's great. Don't worry. Yeah. And he's like, fine, I'll do that. Someone tries to take some of Cage's authority away and he says, I'm an investigator here and I'm a material witness. Well, that sounds like a great reason for you not to be leading things here. You're a witness. Yeah. You gotta shut up. <laughs> Stop thinking. You're too close to this. So yeah, I'm gonna eat you for hours, mate. Uh, he finds out that the fighter Lincoln Tyler took a dive. The knockout punch didn't even connect. Ah, oh, fuck. Unless he's an airbender. <laughs> Shit, is he an airbender? <laughs> is Find he? The Palmer leaves through. Look into this. <laughs> the dossier. <laughs> the fucking dossier. He had it, and it's got all the truths oh. in it. All right, Cage. Cage looks at a stuffed tiger and does an Owen Wilson impression. Yeah, I wrote that down as well. You wrote that down too, that he just goes, yeah. wow. 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 <laughs> Very good. That's when listening to Quickfire. Um, he's doing an investigate right now. Yeah, he's going to investigate. He's going to go talk to Tyler. How come you took yeah. the dive? How did it get burned? Also, how did it get burned? I've got them carrying this. I feel like it's going to be important. So why did you take a dive? How did this get burned? Um, and it turns out he had gambling debts. And he took a dive to clear them. And the deal was brokered mm. by sexy redhead lady. Sexy redhead lady with the boobs. Yeah. They all say. They repeat many times. <laughs> spiking the lens. <laughs> Cage incidentally knew about this because whilst the gunfire was happening, Cage was on the floor and then suddenly noticed the fact that Toiler snapped out of his knockout as soon as the gunfire started. Like, yeah. oh my god, gunfire. And Hey, you're not knocked out. I mean, uh, I want my oh, money oh. back. Oh, also, am I safe? Also, sign my kid's picture. <laughs> And a second after you go down, an assassin fires. Well, that's some coincidence. I guess they don't call you the executioner for nothing. And you signed my kid's autograph. Fucking great. I love this. So, love um, yeah, so, so Nick Cage is doing an investigate. He gets Kevin Dunn, um, the real Kevin Dunn. <laughs> he, get, um, he gets Kevin Dunn. To, You've been <laughs> Kevin Dunn, Kevin mate. Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin Dunn gives him a new shirt. So he's looking extra, extra swish. Don't do what Kevin Dunn don't. Oh, God. You know what you've done now? What, have I gone You've Kevin Dunn? feel inadequate. <laughs> Shit. The last mistake many people make. <laughs> I'm going to run away and never talk to you again. You'll be fine, but oh. I won't be around. Um, but years later, yeah. you die something. Years uh. <laughs> <laughs> later, you'll realise that I disappeared somewhere in the ocean and you'll feel weird. Um, oh my God. You didn't live beyond that weekend. <laughs> Where does this twisting tale of, um, of intrigue take us next, Paul? Well, <laughs> Kevin, not Kevin Dunn, Jesus Christ. Fucking Gary Sinise, Kevin Dunn, yeah. is talking to press and he's like, um, I've got the suicide note here and I can't disclose what's inside of it until after a proper investigation. So let me just cram it back into my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the shooter is identified as a, a pro-Palestinian terrorist. Um, yeah. And to prove it here, Nick Cage, you have a look at this suicide note. Oh, thanks. I'm going to clumsily shove it into my pocket now. Will I come <laughs> up again? No. I got it, though. So It's mine. Ultimately <laughs> irrelevant. Oh, hey, it's no. got your return address on it, Gary Sinise. No, it hasn't. <laughs> it's time to hear his side of the story during the whole shooting. He was happy because a missile test went well. That'd make anyone happy. Yeah. Uh, um, and he lets himself... As anyone would be. As anyone would be. So he lets himself enjoy interrogating a hot redhead. Um, we get a nice long shot down her dress because this was filmed by Brian De Palma. <laughs> this one at least feels justified. It's it's meant to be his, uh, I like his character. To be honest, that is a bit of a defense mechanism of De Palma's. It's like, no, 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 it's fine because the character is just as much of a creepy voyeur as I am. Mm. 
As long as you can justify it, and Brian De Palma really works hard to do that. <laughs> He's written essays. So, <laughs> so he went up to ogle the redhead, and then he ended up shooting the shooter, and um, Nick Cage convinces yeah. him that this is fine. It's great. Even. Yeah. You're a hero. You're a fucking hero. You saved the day! You're a hero, Kevin. That's what happened, and that's how we'll spin it! You saved the day! That was that Travolta. <laughs> Fuck. It's shit. It's easily done. <laughs> So what's this all about? All these strange elements and conspiracy things. We're 40 mm. minutes into this and I'm no clue. Oh, Gary Sinise is the bad guy. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. It's, um, yeah. there's a, there's a look when he sends Nick Cage off to do more investigating. And yeah. I think, ooh, was that an I'm a bad guy look? Oh, he is the bad guy. He just yeah, he is. Yeah. Just <laughs> ooh, maybe that's a red hair. Oh, no. Okay. We're all right. <laughs> it turns he's, out. He is the bad guy. It turns out the redhead and the radio guy were meant to be secret operatives. Why then make the mo- them the most distinctive people in the fight? <laughs> the yeah. creepy hobo and the gorgeous redhead. Also, yeah. why did redhead need to be here at all? She lures him off, but that's just his story to Cage. He convinces Cage to let him keep it secret. So I guess that, I mean, Brian De Palma, um, perverted cons- conspiracy theorist. <laughs> This is only here because he invited Nick Cage here because he knew that he would take a bribe. Um, yes, if and he's the kind he of figured guy, out the truth. He's, yeah, so he he's he he knows the kind of story that he could get Nick Cage on his side because Nick Cage would leap <laughs> to his defense and be a bit shady. Because, because Nick Cage loves tits. Mm. Yes, Nick Cage loves the bubes. The bubes. But also, he loves getting getting his friends off. He <laughs> wants to be sleazy, corrupt mayor of Vegas. Apparently, yeah. so it does. Um, it turns out that these people were all soldiers, so it's very lucky. For um for Nick Gary Sinise, he just happened to have an incredibly shady, sinister, but also gorgeous redheaded soldier under his command. Sometimes things work oh, out. There's got to be some pull, <laughs> and that's why integration of the armed forces necessary. <laughs> so Carla Gugino's on the run. People are out to get yeah. her. Specifically, Gary Sinise. We now know. Oh, Gary Sinise mm. murders redhead woman and he murders trampy guy and um the shanty and int- guy. Yeah, because they can't be trusted. But as the reviewer pointed out, his dozens of other men can be. So they're just, they're not very good. You know, yeah. it was a—it was an equal opportunity hire between a lady <laughs> and a tramp-looking guy. Tramp-looking guys are very underrepresented in, in most. You know that <laughs> almost none percent of CEOs are tramp-looking guys? <laughs> That's true, which is only slightly less than gingers. <laughs> so it was very much a diversity hire for both of them. But Carla Cugino, <laughs> she decides she needs to get some cover, and she's going to do that by seducing Greg from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> By saucily talking to him about air conditioners. Do you have air conditioning? Huh? In your room. Air conditioning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. keep it turned down real low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never mind that he turns out to be a fucking monster. <laughs> Great. That's a few um, scenes away. That's that's the real twist of this movie. Sinise recruits Tyler uh, for the end of the movie. He goes to see Tyler and he's like, I'll need you later. Okay. <laughs> Do we need this scene? Yeah, just... Set it up. People won't believe it. <laughs> if a twist comes out of nowhere, people won't believe it. That's why yeah. it's called a, a gradual slope. I mean, a twist. No, that's too violent. <laughs> you have to introduce the twist first at the 40-minute mark, then twist. That's how it works. Yeah, anyway, so it's it's a chase to catch the Kajino, is what we're on to. Mm. Catch the Kajino. Catch the Kajino. And <laughs> Sinise nearly gets her, but he, he can't bear to hurt Greg from Malcolm in the middle. I don't get why he doesn't arrest her there in the in the elevator. Maybe I missed something there. I, I was going to say because he he's not doesn't have grounds to arrest her, but if Brian De Palma was being truthful and honest about the state of politics, could have uh, just arrested her. Probably could have for prostitution. Yeah. 
And Greg would have yeah. been, and Greg wouldn't have wanted to get fucked up in that. So he'd have been like, "Hey, I don't even know this chick." Surely, surely in 1998, there were some trumped-up terrorism charges you could have, you could have slapped on somebody <laughs> for completely without precedence. You're prostitution, prostitution is <laughs> funding ISIS. Look, prostitution is the oldest form of terrorism. <laughs> so. <laughs> Terrorism of the soul. <laughs> Greg from Malcolm in the Middle is, is bad. Excuse me. You're the one who's practically giving me the knob job down in the bar. I'm sorry. I need a place where I can just wait and then I'll go. A place where you can just wait and go. Well, what do you think this is? A bus stop? The very bad man. And Kajino ends up getting picked up by Cage because of Greg's badness. Um, and they go for a heart to heart on a staircase, just as we all eventually yeah. will have with Nicolas Cage. Oh, we there want is. It, we cover Kajino. We get it with <laughs> Nick Cage. There is also one more shot of Carla Cagino in her bra. Uh, the bra shots even have a theme. <laughs> the soundtrack. Is, the, is it Aragorn's theme? The bra shot, sweet. <laughs> so it turns out that Cagino works for Trump Aircraft, and um, she yeah. knows that the missile reports have been falsified. She got in touch with the Secretary of Defense, and he arranged for her to see him during the fight. I say arranged! <laughs> He didn't set up a meeting, let any of his people know, arrange a time, or even tell her yeah. where he was going to be sitting in the 14,000-seat arena. But he said, meet me there. <laughs> I'll be near Kevin Dunn. What? Kevin Dunn from Transformers? No, no, no. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to fuck this up? It all... <laughs> but it all worked out. She slipped in when Sinise slipped out to chat up the redhead. But she saw Sinise with the terrorist. Just in that super-secret conspiratorial waiting area, just by the ladies' toilets. Where there are never any cues. <laughs> or Men never I go there. Say. It's a fight. No one was there. <laughs> but oh no, Sinise. Twist. And oh, wait. But anyway, Cage doesn't <laughs> believe it. He, doesn't, he, he, he won't believe it. Crunch those numbers. Sticking your nose in where it doesn't belong. You were a number cruncher. Just crunch the goddamn numbers. Why did you tell me that? I hate you. I hate you I hate and everything you, you represent. <laughs> My life's going to be really difficult now. <laughs> Should we believe it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We saw it earlier. So, yeah. That's why the secretary was shot anyway, to cover up a falsified missile report. And Gugino was meant to get shot too. Oh no, emotional. No. Shit. Here are yeah. some boobs. Here are some boobs to try and get you to calm, calm you down. <laughs> Sinise and Trump are arguing. And it is weird to see Trump's mannerisms being mimicked quite so accurately all the way back in 1998. It sounds like he's conducting an active investigation, a very dangerous investigation. Mm. I guess he didn't come out I of guess... nowhere. I guess he's always he was in right Home Alone, so people had to take him down. <laughs> that's where people took him. That's I... where. That's where um fucking dad from Home. Dad from. Uh, oh, conspiracy! Oh my god! <laughs> he besmirched my sweet movie about a lonely boy. <laughs> I and feel now like I'm going to take movie. it to him. As Kevin McAllister's dad, it's very much my film. <laughs> <laughs> when you see Kevin McAllister's dad appear in Battlestar Galactica, weirdly, for a couple of episodes. And you think, God, he's an awful lot like Trump. It's that. It's just that. <laughs> that might be why they did it. So He's the, on he's the only person in, in Hollywood that hates Trump. And it really stands out. For this role, I really need the kind of person who would leave their kid at home alone. I've got just <laughs> the person. And it's the mum. No, no, no. <laughs> You fucked up, Billy. So, Billy goes to find a new job, and Cage looks, uh, locks Kajino into a perfectly safe rickety shack that's nearby, apparently, the car <laughs> park. Hurricane. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and he goes to investigate some more, and he finds some security footage that shows Sinise really was in on the shooting. 
Oh no. no! What a difficult dilemma that we now know about. Trump, who was also in on the shooting, appears on TV spouting pro-military anti-terrorist rhetoric. Yay! Way to <laughs> preempt. Way to preempt a lot of stuff. You fucking profit, Kevin McAllister's dad. <laughs> You're fucking dead zone. Why don't you fucking look out for Macaulay Culkin? <laughs> look where he is now. He's hanging out with Red Letter Media. It's horrifying. <laughs> How could you leave him to such a fate? Poor guy. Oh, God. So, Sinise, he just wants to know where the girl is. He wants to shoot the girl so that all this goes away. Because it's been a very clean operation <laughs> so far. But, oh, but what about Tyler? He knows the truth. Oh, my God. Twist. Oh, yeah. We saw that set up earlier. Yeah, he's in on it. We knew that. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler beats the living shit out of Cage in a way that Cage does effectively communicate through the rest of the film. That beating had a big impact on me when I was a kid. Yeah. Getting beat up in a movie is usually something you walk off, but this beating debilitates him for the rest of the movie. He turns into Richard Brake from Halloween He's a shell of a man. Um, <laughs> watch, watch, watch out for that reference in October. <laughs> is that the night Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that storm's getting really bad, huh? Mm. Oh, look, the GPS that we saw earlier. Neat. Ah, oh, does it have to noticeably beep all the time? <laughs> That's how things worked. Yeah. It beeps beeps when it's working, and it beeps slightly faster <laughs> when it's not. <laughs> Shit, is that the the not working beep? Oh, the only way to find out is to break it. <laughs> the only way to find then out is to get a second GPS. <laughs> what if this one's not working? Which one's working? <laughs> then you get the snakes. The... the as long as they're not playing the same beeps, it's fine. <laughs> so, Cage is unwittingly leading Sinise to Kajino. Uh, but, and what's going to save our characters? Shit, the storm's getting worse, our characters are trapped. Oh my god, a giant tidal wave! Oh, I've cut away from that. Oh, the police are here, great. <laughs> One of them would do it. <laughs> the police shows up, and Kevin shoots himself. Yeah? Kevin Dunn shoots himself, and unrelatedly, <laughs> Gary Sinise also does that, so... <laughs> Kevin Dunn. That's it. The main bad guy shot himself because he ne- he knew he knew he'd never be able to beat the rock hard fucking reputation of um, Rick Van Santoro. <laughs> no way out of this one. I'm shooting myself. <laughs> For God's sake, tell him what we got here. Ain't no way, Kevin. You got snake eyes. Cage becomes a hero, but then a zero because of all that scandal he likes. Yeah. Um, loves it. Yeah, we see his downfall play out um, in yeah. a series of news vignettes. Yeah. All that bloody media all up in his stuff. Um, yeah. Cage meets up with Kajino one last time and talks about nearly drowning in that tunnel. Oh? Yeah. That's probably an analogy. Yeah, prob- in, in blood. <laughs> um, <laughs> in moral dubiousness. <laughs> it's very weird coming out of your mouth with that voice. Um, <laughs> Carla Kajino thanks Nick Cage for yelling at her on some stairs and by kissing him. <laughs> And it ends on a sort of a sort of fine note with uh, and the least appropriate song called Snake Eyes ever plays out over the credits. <laughs> it's called Sin City, I'll have you know. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. The least appropriate song with the the word Snake Eyes in ever. Plays <laughs> some out of those fucking the lyrics are amazing because they incorporate some of the dialogue into the lyrics, and I love it. Well, the credits roll, but De Palma's. Oh, yeah. De Palma's crazy long shot's still going on. It's zooming in on a concrete pillar and some guy's hand yeah. on that pillar. What's this all about? OMG, it's the Redhead's Ring. They got rid of the yeah. bodies in the pillars in this city. The victims are literally part of the architecture. <laughs> Thematic. It's pretty good. It's a snake eyes, Paul. Isn't it fucking stupid? 
it's <laughs> it's quite silly. I'll give it that. There was there was going to be, as we've alluded to, a bigger ending where the hurricane was going to cause a massive tidal wave that was going to destroy the casino and I think most of the city, based on what I've read. There was ah. loads of special effects work going on. Industrial light and magic were involved, and the storm would have killed Sinise and nearly drowned Cajun Kajino. But it was too expensive, so they changed it, and that is a shame. I will say that that ending, yeah. it, it kind of made thematic sense, the idea that the only thing that's going to wipe away the sins of this town would be some sort of biblical-scale disaster, and that there's just yes. that's the only resolution that could possibly happen, as if the Earth itself decided to respond, because these the, the corruption yeah. of this town is so ingrained that our characters are just helpless to it. Um, instead, the Mom's cops just show up. to put it back the way it ought to be. <laughs> it's, yeah. Exactly. It's very much wash hello away. <laughs> um, but instead, I think it's uh, it's Atlantic City we're in, isn't it? It's yeah, same thing. Boardwalk and such. Same thing. It's awful. Same awful. fucking thing, Paul. America, how yeah. do you work? Um, every state's the same. Um, and yeah, no, I. That's that's interesting and mm. a shame because yeah, I did think I I I've really enjoyed this movie. Um, mm. and we'll get into to why, yeah. but the ending was a bit of a sort of like party lame. popper. <sighs> yeah, it really is. To a building, a building, well, a hurricane of a movie. Yeah, absolutely. I I remember getting swept along by this by the opening in particular. I remember watching mm. and just thinking, wow, where is this going? It's fast. It's busy. It's getting mm. more intense. Where are we going? And then the assassination happens, like a like a big bucket of cold water in your face after this really hot yeah. and fast, you know, opening. And it's just so brilliantly shot and edited that I was completely hooked on it. The um, tension that builds uh, in yeah. the opening sequence with the camera just panning left and mm. right from Nick Nick Cage, who's who's just a full bravado, and it cuts actually... to somebody just 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 looking to the left and going, hmm. and then it go back to Nick Cage doing his yeah. thing. And and it, ha- it had me on tenterhooks just, just did waiting we mention, for something. Did we even mention that this is actually shot and put together to resemble a one long continuous shot for the first, what, 10 minutes of the film or so? Maybe even yeah. a little longer? Um, it's actually, you know, less shots Birdman style, but, you know, parts of it, uh, I think there is a good six and a half minutes there, which is actually all one long shot. So uh, Okay, that's yeah. interesting. It's I, I did think thing. it was... It's seamlessly done. I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't looking for the stream. No, sure. But as far as I was aware, the whole the whole sequence mm. was a wanna. Well, the effect is down. powerful, and it's it's yeah. one of many. There are much more subtle long shots later on in the movie, which just yeah. emphasise the extraordinary architecture of the space that they're filming it in. The whole film's inside this arena, and its corridors, its staircases, its offices. It's this yeah. giant space, this press space, and they make full use of yeah. that environment. And I really, yeah, I really. That makes a, a big impression as well. Yeah, I love um, how contained contained it mm. is in that sense. And I mean, Nick Cage as Rick Santoro mm. is just an agent of chaos. Yeah, and it, like for the first twenty minutes at least, and then he's sort of trying c- to contain a different kind of it. Yeah, just the, the the multiple things going on at any one point in this horrible casino it's a, <laughs> environment. It's... It's a very big world of this movie. Yeah. It's a world of like street level cops, corruption, gamblers, yeah. fighters, the military, sort of yeah. thugs, and it's there's so much going on, and it's only a ninety minute film. It's really quite, it's quite packed, really, and it's all quite mm. seamless. It's a a world that feels quite lived in, and I remember not understanding the whole military missile system thing when i was a kid i didn't get really the big plot um but it doesn't yeah. really matter no not really it's a story it's... about 
two men and the relationship they both thought that they had with each other. And that was really accessible enough to prepubescent me. And part of that is actually the slime of it, because I remember feeling scandalized by Rick Santoro as a kid, the Nicolas Cage character. Perhaps he was an anti-hero that I hadn't experienced before, but I remember the shamelessness of his taking bribes and beating down people and sleeping around on mm. his wife. It it just it made him feel dangerous to little mm. kid me who'd only ever seen Jim Carrey movies. Um, <laughs> like I could dangerous in a different sense. <laughs> dangerous. Dangerous comedy. And smoking. And Nick Cage is smoking in every sense. Um <laughs> I just felt like I couldn't trust him to do the right thing. I remember that as a mm. kid. I remember thinking, I don't know he's going to do the right thing here. And I hope he does, but he might not. And that was exciting. Yeah, you know, I, I, I loved mm. that the anti-hero here, I mean, yes, was a bit of a dark character, but at the same time, mm. half of his motivation was, oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah, I have <laughs> I... a comfortable fucking life, you know, yeah. of kind of of low-level crime. And yeah. I, <laughs> And that's the other thing, is I like the idea that, at the end, he says, if I hadn't put a face to you, it might have turned out differently. But I like the idea that the scale of his friend's betrayal and corruption is what yeah. finally drives him to do the right thing. It's like, what happens if just a shitty cop actually comes face to face with the real corruption that exists in yeah. America, the the yeah. big organizations and the military and that stuff? He just he just seems totally overwhelmed. Mm. And, that's just, and that yeah. shocks him into tr- wanting to be a better person. And that felt really believable and interesting yeah. to me. He has to see um, a dollar on the floor covered in <laughs> mm. covered in blood. But um, <laughs> Yeah, um, that's a bit of a cheesy metaphor, but everything else in yeah. that office where Sinise is just laying down the cold hard facts of how fucking far his dark side goes, so much further, deeper and darker than um, Rick's does, and it yeah. just blows him away. When the Renville took that Iraqi missile hit below decks, do you know what happened? A hole ripped open in her bulkhead and the sea flooded in. I had to go below and give the order to dog the hatches. That meant the 28 men that were still in the main engine space were trapped. You ever listen to a man drowning? They don't die quietly. It really adds a dimension to Gary, to Gary Sinise's villain, though, I mm. think. I, it it yeah. seems on the surface, like a, like very much, a, especially with the redhead and the, the trampy shout man, it feels like, hey, we're <laughs> into diehard territory now. But... You, but when he's talking about you know what he's got invested in this yeah. and wanting to protect soldiers, which again is very much a it's a diehard slash White House not White mm. House down yeah White House down sort of I'm I'm gonna be I'm insanely evil however I do care about my men so <laughs> um, but it, it, at least it, it's not just evil like pure evil for the sake of it no um, I, I, I did feel like there was something there yeah, yeah which is again why I just didn't. Again, I'm slightly disappointed by the ending because it just didn't necessarily feel like he would. He he does seem like the sort who would have an unsympathetic or, you know, a very pragmatic view of suicide if necessary. Yeah. It just didn't feel like he was hemmed in enough. You know, it didn't feel like yeah. they'd earned the suicide ending. It wasn't desperate enough. They didn't have enough evidence yet. He could have just planned to get Kajino and maybe even Nicolas Cage another time. Um, the He'd Storm, I think... Yeah, the storm would have been better. I, I like the idea of because, especially after he gives that long speech about, you know, drowning men and how horrible it yeah. is to die drowning, and then he himself yeah. would end up getting stuck in a tunnel. You know, yeah. there's, yeah, it, it would have been better. <laughs> it is a shame, but if you can just put that out of mind, everything else apart from that, literally that scene, 
It's just the mm. scene where the police burst through the door and are holding guns on Sinise. That's the only problem I have with the whole movie, I think. it's Yeah, right. I mean, uh, mm, maybe one other thing. Sinise's okay. reveal could have maybe been a bit better. A lot of people objected okay. to the fact that Sinise gets revealed early on, and um, De Palma said, oh, but it's not a movie about who did it, it's a movie about the impact of the fact that he did it. And I agree, mm. but, I mean, Sinise is revealed to be the bad guy in just a look. You know, he just goes down a corridor yeah. and suddenly there's a mood change and then he meets up with them. And there are two dramatic reveals <laughs> after that that Sinise yeah. is involved. One of them is when Carla Cugino's just telling the story and we naturally mm. just see um, just very perfectly naturally part of her story, she doesn't realise it's a big deal, describes that Gary Sinise was part of the conspiracy. And mm. Nick Cage then says, hold up! And the image actually freezes as she's telling the story. Mm. That's a good reveal. And then later on, obviously, when he sees the security cam footage, and then he's behind him. So, so maybe... is, is the idea there that we, as the audience, get the first reveal, and it's yeah. to you know that gives us time to process it, and it adds tension because we we know something that um, Rick Santora doesn't. Then yeah. the second reveal is so you know it gives us the the headspace so we can then look at how this is affecting his character. Um, mm. rather than how we're processing it. And the third one is the confirmation and him finally having to face um, yeah. <clears throat> face the truth of yeah, this. The reveal to confront him. his character flaws. Yeah, so they do they, they serve that. functions. The, you know, the introduction of the idea to Rick. And when Rick starts shouting down Carla Cugino and sort of talking her out of her own story, we can then be on the other side of that of having the truth on our side. And is yeah. that good? To some extent you've taken away from the subjective experience of us following Rick's journey because yeah. Rick is in denial. We're not. We're not with yeah. him because we know the truth. But to some extent, mm. there is value in that because we're distressed at seeing Rick, you know, almost again, we don't know he's our hero. So he could well mm. still decide to take his friend's side. So I'd say it's subversive. It is yeah. fairly, yeah. It's unconventional. I'll give it that. I think it's on on the surface a very simple movie and simple premise but brian de palma just quite effectively suggests a lot of complex stuff there and um de palma and his screenwriter uh david and i never know how to pronounce this fucking name k-o-e-p-p -P, the guy cop the guy who directed uh, who wrote jurassic park and yeah. i think one of the quotes in there you said was about how how could de palma and cope um think this was a story worth telling but yeah. it's it's it, it stands to reason to me i think it you know, did they stumble? Maybe in places, but there's all the promise here, and that's really the stuff that I respond to. That and some mm. of the technical, the technical bravura shown both by both both De Palma and Cope, because I think this mm. is a good. I think this is a good screenplay. I think there's a there's mm. a it's, there's a really enjoyable movie here, and it hints at a lot that, mm. and it just left me to go away and and think about it, or it just it's mm. just a very effective, um, it's a very effective observation. Yeah, yeah. for what because it's worth. One thing that is undeniable is De Palma's career did take a nosedive after this. Um, this is right after Mission Impossible, which was actually his last positively reviewed film to date that he directed. Awesome. This is either his last great film, as I would posit, or his first mediocre one. But no one's defending Mission to Mars, the movie he does after this. So there's no. there's no real doubt that this is this is, represents somewhat of a turning point. But I would argue that this does contain a lot of the promise, the the detail, the attention to character that characterized a lot of his earlier work and the perviness but you know that comes yeah. part and parcel yeah. of the de palma experience I, I i'm reminded a lot of untouchables it's got the same stylish mm. noir feel in places yeah it's a very yeah. stylish movie um it is and i wonder how this movie would have been if it had been set in the 20s with the you know 
an actual <laughs> and historical event, you know, underpinning it. I was surprised at how modern it all felt. You know, I was surprised mm. at, you know, to have Trump in there, to have questions <laughs> about corruption and the military. And, you know, it, it, it mm. all felt quite up to date. I was kind of surprised by it. So maybe this was maybe even just a little bit ahead of its time. Yeah. I mean, the the most recent Brian De Palma film I've seen is Redacted, mm. which I thought for the longest time was an Oliver Stone because it's sort of brimming with the same conspiracy right. nuttiness as, um, <laughs> as, as, as JFK. Right, but, um, but it's about the uh, soldiers in the Gulf, and mm. thematically, it's very similar mm. in that respect to to some of what goes on in Snake Eyes. Mm. Um, so I think it's it's just it's just there in in Brian De Palma. It's 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 what he does. Um, I, I God, I would say for sure that this is his last his mm. last masterpiece. Yeah, it um, seems to be. I just wish that it had the chance to be a bit bigger and and sprawl a bit more with them and have that hurricane. That would have been it, lovely. Cause... Yeah, it would have made it, it would have put it sort of in terms of its scope and its scale, because this, you know, I remember this kind of as like a, a little movie, but it's not, it's really huge. The the yeah. scale of the crowd shots and the, the setting and the sort of what's at stake and the depth yeah. of, um, you know, content here in terms of the world. It's a very large scale movie, you know, along with his movies like Scarface and yeah. whatever else you have. It's just, it's made to feel small. I think partially by that ending, which does feel so incredibly cheap. It's like one room, all the characters. It just, yeah. it's even, it even transitions into like a CCTV style footage thing. Yeah. I think it's let down cheap by its ending. ending. I think it, it leaves a sour taste in the mouth as people walk away from it. Um, yes. But I would urge people to go back because there's a, a lot of good there. A lot of good. There definitely is. Um, mm. Before we quick fire, uh -huh. did we want to spend a minute just discussing Cage? Oh sure. I mean, this is a pretty this is very good for Cage, I think. It's a yeah. it's a large character. It's mm. well suited to his skills. It's um got a couple of memorable lines, but I found him very plausible throughout this. I never yeah, doubted absolutely. who he was. Because I was made for this sewer, baby, and I am the king. <laughs> I think it's Pete Cage, but I don't mm. think it's it's a YouTube reel Cage. No. There's, there's there's just a lot of brilliance there. I think like like I said earlier, he's this agent of of chaos in the first twenty minutes, and the mm. the slickness with which he goes from bullying to to bribing to sleaziness, yeah. and then to to his, his sort of strange threatening seriousness, yeah, is is, is is it shows an actor who is in full command, and it's yeah. it's really masterful. The first it's like that the the quote unquote wanna mm. is a masterclass not only in directing but in acting as well. I think. Because Nick Nick Cage just feels like part of feels part of the scene, not not mm. just an actor in it moving yeah. through it. He keeps up the energy uh, and he helps propel the entire scene. It's yeah. it's it's a movie with some big ideas and a, a slightly disappointing ending that is made yeah. even better for having Nick Cage. Like it's it's just cast perfectly. Yeah, um, I think and, Sinise you know, is really great as well. I think Sinise yeah. works really. I they they wanted someone. Old, I think they wanted Pacino. I think to play oh. that, but and you know just imagining no, him going great. through shouting you know i can imagine him like being oh. as big as cage and it just it doesn't fit this is you know around the yeah. time he was doing heat he was very much in his shouty period yeah you can't yeah you can't have him scent of a womaning yeah when nick cage is doing his thing yeah um. where, where were you anyway i was looking at a great tits <laughs> and my face all the way in him <laughs> it wouldn't have worked it's better to have sinise as this really cold 
kind yeah. of clinical guy to be a great counterbalance. But also the righteous anger he brings into that scene where he just, yeah. where he really just puts Cage down and puts him in his place. It's really convincing. And at mm. stage was I like in doubt that this is the dynamic and that Cage is just ashamed in these sequences and that Ke- and that Dunn is the one with all the power here. But Kevin Dunn. reality slap in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Dunn, dad from Transformers. <laughs> dad with Wiki. Oh, um, Christ. But there are one, plenty of great things hmm. from Gary Sinise there, and, and a few yeah. of those will be mentioned in the quickfire. Yes, Shall before we? we quickfire, I will just say, around this time I also picked up Ransom, the Mel Gibson <laughs> movie, and it just means I'm, I, I feel really glad to have grown up in the 90s. I mean, I know everybody feels that way about the time that they grew up, but even the middling thrillers that history have forgotten yeah. just feel kind of special to me. That was Gary Sinise too, playing the bad oh, wow. guy again. Yeah, uh, A bad guy cop. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. those two roles, Lieutenant Dan. And then <laughs> was George from Ad- Ad- Mice and Men, was he a, um, a military man in the past? <laughs> yeah, I haven't read much Steinbeck, but I'm pretty sure that's right on the money. Yeah, sweet. Good to know. Yeah, there's also there's that, like amazing VHS action movies. Well, movies, mm. action movies that we watched on VHS. Yeah, um, also... it's the VHS that helps as well. Just imagining those nice, thick, thick boxes with the with yeah. Nicolas Cage's face on their spines. The warm, grainy feel of the, the movie. <laughs> the lack of social media directly influencing anxiety levels in, 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 the, in the youth. Oh, Fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah, but we had Tamagotchis, though, which was similar. Yeah. <laughs> the, I don't know if anyone remembers the anxiety that surrounded Tamagotchi ownership, but it was um, it was a nightmare. All I felt with Tamagotchis was FOMO until I got one and then just crushing, crushing boredom. <laughs> what? I'm supposed to do this? I've got, I've got Sonic at home. You had to keep it alive or it would look sad forever. Like when I lost, they died, I lost mine and didn't you just had that. <laughs> That's for the best. You don't want to find it. You don't want to find them that way. But don't tell the National so- Society for the Protection of Tamagotchis because <laughs> you can't tell. They've them. been after me. They know what you did. Quickfire. Okay. Quickfire. Yeah. So the music is by Ryuichi Sakamoto, who did the music to "Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence," uh, which is a really beautiful soundtrack. And I love the music to this, especially some key moments leading up to the assassination when we haven't had any music in the movie yet. And then just in the few moments before the shot. What? Who are you? Where? My lucky number. What? His violin comes in. And it's quite something. When mm. Tyler nearly knocks his opponent out in the match, there's this great sorrowful piece mm. where it looks like the feet. Um, there's so much going on with the boxer. He's got such a soulful face, yeah. and there's just such the sense of all the history and all the shame that he's brought down on himself. And the music really captures that in that moment. Oh. When. Cage realizes that Sinise was in on the shooting. Another brilliant bit of music. And finally, this bravura piece of music when Rick is being stalked through the arena by Sinise at the end.
There's this great little motif yeah. that builds there that I really liked. Ah, great. The dynamic of the opening scene is is slick and tight, and I like yeah. that. Not the the wanna, but the um the news, um mm. the news report. But it is a hurricane. Yeah, well, it's also a holiday weekend, so will you please just call it a tropical storm, please? I love this town. They even spin the weather. Anyway, right, we're, we're gonna do five, this from inside. Why four, do I have to stand out here like three, a a, two, a, a weather one, bimbo? Go. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a Powell pay-per-view television event. And then in the middle of it, they go, "Okay, action!" And then she just snips, uh, like slips straight back into professional. Yeah. Delivering the same report verbatim, except for switching yeah. hurricane to tropical storm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Very slick. Very well done. <laughs> I mean, it's quite general, but I'll just say that I really like how the dialogue works. It's very quick mm. and quite snappy. There's good pacing. You done on the fight yet? Oh shit! I forgot. You seen Jimmy George? Yeah, he's done on the tunnel. What tunnel? There's a million tunnels. Another tunnel of love over by Tyler's dressing room here. Lay 54. On who? On who? On the bag of meat? On who? On Tyler? What? Oh, the whole 50? Oh, up yours, Mr. High Roller. I mean, yeah. why don't you just shoot it all? 100. Um, it's not always naturalistic, but it's effectively stylistic to the point where it doesn't take you mm. out of the film. It just sounds cool. And there's a lot of really good monologues, um, which are expositional, but well-written exposition that actually also conveys character. Like in mm. Alfredson's Tinker Taylor, you know, you're getting a lot of story there, but you're getting it from a certain perspective and you're learning about the character as you're hearing it, particularly with the boxer recounting his version of events and with Carla Cugino and her mm. side of things. So, and Cage fits into that perfectly. Yeah, agreed. Speaking of perspective, then, mm. um, I, I liked all, all of those instances, where, for example, where Gary Sinise is, is recounting his version of events and yeah. you see it's, it's first person, yeah. yes, you know, ogling this lady, but then when they hear the shots in his version of events he pulls out the gun and immediately yeah. fires a few bullets into the wall yeah the sort of metal plating t- and killing the sniper yeah um who in one when he falls out it, the first time really does look like he's holding an AK47 or something <laughs> oh, <laughs> because God, mp5 yeah <laughs> yeah with a scope yeah with maybe. a scope and a silencer um, it's crazy that a 9mm would have that kind of accuracy but <laughs> there you go bullshit <laughs> worst film ever made department yeah department's a genius <laughs> but um, but the there's something about the first person mm. point of view, of looking at the redhead, hearing the gunshots, and just pulling out the gun and immediately yeah. firing it into the casing. <laughs> it was very satisfying. If that was yeah. the, the true version of events, then <laughs> he is a hero. Would have been a hero. You yeah. saved the day. Um, but um, <laughs> you saved the day. That's good. Um, <laughs> thanks. I'm going in there. Lincoln, the boxer. Um, his version of events is really sad. Yeah, him going through the motions of throwing the fight. Um, yeah, with a guy who just the, 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 isn't going to play ball. You feel that frustration. Yeah. It's really, it's really hard, and he just looks so sad. Yeah, um, having to like throw away his legacy. Mm. And yeah, that that the other boxer just going, "Oh, you're going to hit me? Got a champ over here!" <laughs> and, and all this um, oh. as he's mugging for the camera is, it's very good. Um, yeah. But particularly when it all comes together at the end, when he when Cage hears the final testimony, mm. and we just see the various people's stories playing out as they actually happened yeah when the assassination takes place it's like it's not even cages the audience being able to put all the stories together and seeing what mm. happened it's just a really really expert piece of visual storytelling yeah really loved it yeah it was really great and yeah you do feel bad for that boxer because he's just going to go on to get shot in the face by tom cruise in collateral it's not <laughs> not a great future ahead of him 
I like the, the elements that are being planted in the opening shot. The first time we see the play mm. out, it's very subjective to Nicolas Cage's experiences of events. Mm. He's overhearing things, maybe, but he's not paying attention to them. There's bizarre conspiratorial elements like JFK. You know, just like, why's mm. that guy got a radio? Why is this guy not paying attention to the fight? Why is this woman going yeah. over here? And then the shots hit, and we're in a very unhelpful angle. Shots mm. hit, and something's going on behind Cage, but Cage is looking the wrong way, and so so are we. And we just see like the bullet impact onto a person mm. behind Cage, and it's just, yeah, it's eerie. It's an eerie sense of something really important going on just outside of Cage's perspective. And I know this is something that's important to De Palma, and why he remade um, Antonioni's uh, Blow Up as Blow Out. Um, so yeah, the idea of you might have just missed something. And I like um, mm. some of the things that are suggested in there, like through they're, they're obvious when I think back to them, mm. but at the time they're made to feel like little things that you mm. feel really smart about for noticing. Like Nick Cage, when he's just blathering on to Gary Sinise, when the redhead walks past, Gary Sinise just trails her as if to, as if to Ogla. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's just a little thing. And, and Gary yeah. Sinise brings a lot to this performance because he does mm. it very slowly, very steadily and very quietly yeah. whilst Nick Cage is going on. Yeah, um, and it's just it's just a quick a very slow turn of the head, mm. um, <laughs> and it just again makes you go, "What the fuck's happening?" Yeah, come on. <laughs> but it makes um, you interested in what the fuck's happening. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I also really like his deadpan face when Nick Cage tells a joke and just laughs in his face. <laughs> um, no, no, not when Nick Cage when Gary Sinise tells a joke about yeah. Him. What is it? Is oh, sex life or something. Terry likes to talk to me during sex. Last night she called me from a hotel. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and and he has a complete deadpan face, and Nick Cage just <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick Cage loves it. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I um, love the yeah. I love the use of the geography of the arena. Just having Nick Cage starts speaking to Kevin Dunn, actual Kevin Dunn, um, playing Kevin Dunn. <laughs> Um, he starts speaking to him in the arena, and then we follow them out into like this set of corridors and up and round and through, and we ultimately end up at the uh, a- AV room, I guess you'd call it, the place where all of the mm. recordings are kept. And it's just, it just really makes you feel the location. It makes you feel the idea that yes, that is an arena. There's a casino nearby. It relates. There's a hallway outside. We know where things are, and that. Mm. Yeah, it just made it feel more real. Um, and I also love the way that he used uh, weather. The storm is constantly, you can constantly hear it. It's constantly there. And it just, yeah. even though it's not building up to the big scale set piece that it should be, it's still yeah. there and it's menacing. And I like that. It, it's almost as though it is. <laughs> as if it should be. When Gary Sinise panics and Nick Cage, or well, Rick Santora takes charge to correct him on a few things. Like, no, you weren't following mm. a redhead. You were following a suspicious... You're following yeah. a suspect. Um, the authority there, um, you know, mm. and at the time when I thought that Gary Sinise was just a good guy in it, um, yeah, not like that, Kevin Dunn. It's really like the shift in dynamic there. Um, yeah, Nick Cage, you're in his this, world now. It yeah, seems this is where he's a pro. Um, yeah, sleazy or not, being shitty. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. Um, I like the big scale nature of the fight crowd panicking once those guns go off. Everybody freaks out and starts pouring into the sort of 
um, yes. filing out areas, and it's huge. It looks like, you know, 140,000 people packing out in a way that other directors have struggled with. Like, it almost half bothered me how empty the stadium in The Dark Knight Rises looks when Bane attacks the football game. Mm. I love that sequence, and the explosions are perfect. No one could have done that better. But the actual football stadium itself is, like, a quarter full, and that always gets mm. me every time I watch it. So it's it's good to see a really genuinely huge crowd scene like this. I'd never noticed that before, thank you. Yeah. I'll be sure to, <laughs> I to look at it every forever. single time now. How did he get back to Gotham? <laughs> How did he? All those people let him in. All those people who weren't at the fight. Fight, whatever. Bane had already killed three quarters of the stadium before blowing it up. <laughs> they didn't mm. film it because it was too dramatic. <laughs> it was too good. <laughs> no, cut, cut. This bit is too perfect. No one shall <laughs> ever see me. this except for me, and I will kill myself later and be replaced <laughs> by second me. <laughs> From the other timeline. Check out <laughs> Tenet. Summer 2020, maybe. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, no matter what, I'll play it to an empty cinema. You see if I want. <laughs> I'm a genius. I really, I did really like the thanks very much for nothing. Now sign my kids' autograph. One, yeah. two. And I liked the earlier moment in there where it's um. What would I arrest you for? Getting up too quick? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> like yeah. it makes fun of him saying what? <laughs> yeah. That felt very improvised, and I liked it a lot. Oh yeah, and the other thing I'll mention about that scene is that Tyler. When the manager is talking about how dare you question this man, he's a pillar of his community, he's, yeah. you know, a, a valuable part, just keep an eye on the boxer, keep an eye on Tyler. He looks miserable because mm. as he's saying all this, he knows what he did, what he yeah. really did. And the first thing he says is, look, is the guy dead? His his conscience is tearing him apart. And yeah, it's tearing apart Lisa. And that really stood out to me. I saw him do a, a lame sort of nod at the head when he says that. As it's go, yeah. that's, that's right, I'm really struggling to keep this facade going yeah yeah uh, yeah that's good yeah thought the the chase of carla Gugino through the hotel corridors was really exciting it was very slow paced but <laughs> nick cage yeah. is relying on the gas man from dumb and dumber to um let him know what room <laughs> yeah. what room what's his face from malcolm in the middles in um <laughs> <laughs> this is a great plot rundown for professionals <laughs> <laughs> i remember carla Gugino's boobs names um <laughs> names um, <laughs> no it is tense because he's yeah it, it's getting really close he's in the elevator it's going up there and he's just relying on whatever the fuck this guy's doing and i like the csiing about that because what he yeah. does is he cuts to one of the cameras intended to see if people are cheating and gets the guy's license plate uh yeah. license um what do you call it fucking uh driving just, license yeah i do and it has his name on it and he's able to get the room number and give it to nick to rick yeah. and that's yeah it was really tense a yeah, good bit great. of detective I, work. I, I loved at the beginning of that bit where they're, they're they're scoping them out in the in the casino, looking through all the cameras, and they see mm. Carla Gugino and uh, mm. Malcolm in the middle, and yeah. uh, and Nick Cage goes, "That's her. Where's that bar?" And then per- Perseus turns to the map of the labyrinth, and <laughs> goes, oh, "I don't know, mate." <laughs> it's just t- turns turns to this map that's the size of the wall. And I, I think, oh, fuck, that. casino's awful. <laughs> like, where's oh, that fuck. bar? Um, Surely it's just the bar in the casino. No, no, it's yeah. bar 22. <laughs> Cage punches out a photographer so there's nothing. <laughs> he's just in the way, and he just punches him directly in the face, and it's amazing. It's when it's, he's trying to get shots of the crime scene. and um, oh, okay. Yeah, he just punches him in the face, and it's great. As though he were a Mass Effect. <laughs> I Your loved... Time? 
yeah, I, I loved when Carla Cugino's rummaging around the casino without glasses. Yeah. Um, mm. she she finds a guy sitting by himself and thinks, oh, I'll go and come onto him and get out of this yeah. casino. Yeah. And her eyes are blurred until she gets right up close to him. And the focus yeah. that reveals boy from Malcolm Greg. in the Middle's Greg <laughs> yeah. from Malcolm in the Middle's face, like sh- alarmed face to see Carla Cugino um, a foot <laughs> from him. Yeah. It's such a good reveal. It's if if there's a list, a top ten list of unblurrings or focusings <laughs> in in movies, then that's probably the top. Fantastic, Lawrence it, Arabia, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I like that. Well, okay, so when he goes for his second conversation with Kevin Dunn, not Kevin Dunn, <laughs> um, with Gary Sinise, they go and they find a really fucking nineties looking set. <laughs> it's some sort of conference room and there's like a model or something in the background mm. and it just looks like a Spice Girls video I really appreciated that <laughs> with Richard E. Grant <laughs> when Greg gets pushed out of his hotel room by Nick- Nicholas Cage yeah. he- he's um, he, you know he's going to tell somebody and he walks past Gary Sinise sees the um, the, the Admiral Admiral's jacket mm. Admiral Akbar yeah sees the Admiral Akbar jacket and um, thinks I know I can I can complain to him about the hotel and he just goes, this hotel sucks. I got, I'm getting pushed yeah. out of my room. Like a fucking Yelp reviewer um, <laughs> rating the hotel one star um, because of a dude that has nothing to do with the hotel. Uh, yeah, he's but, a quintessential fucking uh, Yelp reviewer is Greg. But <laughs> Greg I do, I, that whole bit was great with the, um, I, was, I was just writing a letter to my lovely wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the squibs when people get shot. It's not mm. a big action movie, so not many people get shot. But in particular, when he shoots... Um, hobo looking guy great hmm. squib it just squib. Blur- blurts out like in this wonderful gooey fashion that you really only got in the 90s there's great there's fantastic squib work in Ransom as well actually <laughs> 90s were a golden age for squib work but in relation to that shot after he shoots hobo guy it's really sad the hobo guy falls to the ground and says I've been shot yeah. to Gary Sinise who just shot him like he can't he can't process it he goes into shock and he doesn't know what's going on it's Quite affecting, and sad. a similar but funnier moment happens later on when um, Kevin Dunn pulls a gun on Nicolas Cage, and he says, "You just pulled a gun on me." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Again, great because it, it was funny, but it was also believable because it's yeah. like, "What the fuck are you doing? You just pulled a gun on me. That's ridiculous yeah. that you're doing that." But yeah, also wow. Cage delivers it great. I'm totally <laughs> in over my head here, guys. This is <laughs> mental. When Carla Cugino and Nick Cage are having their, their chat and mm. um, she's revealing to him everything that the actual Kevin Dunn, the man Kevin Dunn has done um, in the yeah. name of freedom, uh, the realisation and recognition on her face when Rick Santoro yeah. points out that they were trying to kill her and it wasn't just a stray bullet. It's like yeah. she chokes on it. It's uh, yeah, really affecting. The other good reveal moment that Cugino had in that moment is when she realises that Rick Santoro knows Gary Sinise mm. personally. When he's talking about it, when he's talking about him, and All right, let, let me tell you a little something about Kevin Dunn. He is one of the most you know honorable dudes you know on the planet. You just as she's talking over him, and again, it's just good dialogue. I like it. Yeah. When Nick Cage is is taunting Lincoln when he's getting beaten up by him, um, yeah, in a similar way to the the other boxer, and he's bloody mouth shambling around and just go, look at the champ over here, champ. This is plush. Come on, girly man, show me what you got, champ. There's a chap. It's, um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, Cage. And, uh... I fought as America. <laughs> um, speaking of great monologues, I really love how Sunise tells Cage exactly how his life is going to fall apart. Yes. Relentlessly, with this great energy. 
um, he tells him why it's gonna be so horrible for him and his life if he does the right thing. Yeah. You'll be all alone in a spotlight, and guys like you can't stand up to that light. You'll burn up under it. The press starts looking for dirt on you, and they will. It'll be a mudslide. Forget about your job, your sweet life in Margate. Start <laughs> thinking about jail. Your girlfriend will be gone, too, at the first sign of trouble, but not before she has a little chat with Angela. So say goodbye to your wife, too. Twice a month with Michael won't be so bad if you can get him to spend the night in your shitty apartment. You'll lose it all, my friend. Um, it really puts the stakes out there, and it's just a, a good speech. I like the way it's written, and I like the way Sinise mm. delivers it. You suck, and you're poor, and you can't provide for your family as well, on top of everything yeah. else. And I'm telling you this as a friend. <laughs> A very good friend. As an enemy, as a frenemy. Yeah. Oh, what's that? There's no time to get into this right now, Rick. <laughs> you'll know. You'll know um, when, all the, when the last time I got she has died. You'll know. Um, when they're sort of negotiating, dumping bodies into concrete. Um, there's a there's a there's a shot of a guy, like negotiating, uh, some machinery and being like, back a little, back a little. And yeah. The camera in the back, the background. The camera sort of pans to reveal Nick Cage in the background, shambling, bloodied, and broken up a flight of stairs. Yeah, and just a great comedy reveal. It's probably intentional. <laughs> Genius, Brian De Palma. It was definitely a comedy beat. Tiny attention to detail here that I liked. Cage is questioned on the uh, crime scene. Yeah, and he pulls his badge on the guy and he says, "Okay, go ahead." He disappears into the background. The cop. He goes into the background. But we hear him logging Santuro in on his radio. He gets on his radio and he logs the fact that he just saw and acknowledged that Santuro was here, huh. as you would imagine cop procedure would be. That's a really small attention to detail, but I liked it a lot. It's very nice. It's almost as good as Leonardo DiCaprio catching the shells before they hit the floor. <laughs> the only the only and singular best moment of attention to detail in cinematic history. Yeah, fuck That's off, Lawrence nice. of Arabia. I was the first person to notice a thing. <laughs> I went back and did it before everyone else and saved it for this moment. <laughs> Fuck off, Lawrence of Arabia. Cage's face when Sinise lifts his head up. <laughs> yeah, He's just yeah. got this great sort of... <laughs> face. <laughs> that was... He's had the shit kicked out of him. It's that comedic. Was, that was the only time where I thought, oh, Cage is taking me out of the movie. <laughs> You're a fucking hack, Nicholas Cage, but we love you. Oh, I love the reporter's face, the news lady. She, um... It's a com- it's a very old comedy bit. It's like, well, somebody's got to go outside. Who's it going to be? And this girl is like looking around and suddenly yeah. she's smiling and she's quite pleasant and happy. And then suddenly she's like, oh, it's me, isn't it? <laughs> she doesn't say that, but that's the face. But yeah, yeah she just looked. She- I loved her in that moment. She looked so cozy and happy in the office. And then when she realizes that she's got to go outside, the drop yeah. was really funny. I thought she was great there. Okay, so we'll do this together. The ending is really great. It's quite affecting. And when I say the ending, obviously I don't mean the disappointing anticlimax <laughs> involving the action. Despite everything we said, love the ending. <laughs> we love that. We love the fact that there's no storm. Now, after that, there's a great... It's it's really great. You've got the whole media downfall of Nick Santoro, which plays out exactly as Sinise said it was going to. Nick Santoro. Um, and then I really love him meeting with her on the Broadway um, in order to have this chat. And I, I love the bit where Cage is talking about the pirates. Yes. You know, they say back two, three hundred years ago, pirates put phony lighthouses right out by those big rocks. Right out there. Ships would set a course by the lights, crash on the rocks, then everybody go out and rob them blind. Only one thing's changed since then. 
Lights are brighter. That's cool, and I love, I really like the exchange. If, if I think of it now and then. I'm naive. There's worse things to be. Yeah. I really like that exchange. Yeah. It's, it says a lot about where they both are. Yeah. Great arc for Nick, as well. Nicolas Cage, for Nick Santorum. Yeah. I just like that. I like how understated it is. Mm. Yeah, just the, the general down, the down note of the, um, of his downfall. Mm. It's, um, down note. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's an odd moment. It's an oddly peaceful moment for a mm. movie like this to end on of just, and I love his final line, ah, oh, hell, at least I got to be on TV. Yeah. yeah. That was so life goes on, you know? One day yeah. this isn't going to be my everything. And yeah, I'll just exactly. be living some other life. And that's rare. Rare to get that sort of idea. And yet it felt inexorable as it was happening. Yeah. All of it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there is so much here that I'm happy with. Um, I, w- mm. I watched this all the way through, Paul. Uh, I said to you the other day, and hey. the listeners need- needed to yeah. know. This, this is better than <laughs> Zombie Women of Satan and, and the Goldfish. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. I'm yeah. so glad that we did this this week. I just I needed forget this. what it's like to watch good movies. I yeah. Nowadays, I have such little time that mm. I'm watching more shit movies than I am good ones, and it's yeah. de- it's completely dispiriting. Um, <laughs> so it's really nice just to to sit yeah. down and watch a film and go, I'm enjoying this and I want to keep watching it. I'm actually invested yeah. in this. I'm not just doing it for for bragging rights. Yeah, which is always podcast. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And this is a film that you know it's not going to get you any bragging rights really <laughs> because. Everybody's forgotten about it, and it's it's fun to just go back and watch movies like this, irrespective of having to try and figure out where it appears on any lists or anything mm. like that. It's just a movie that still means a lot to me, that ke- uh, represents a very important time of my life, that takes me back to those little caravans in Wales, mm. where you know, which are really lovely, and just I still think it's a very well crafted thriller that you could learn a lot from in watching it. Um, I do have one last note on the ending um, oh. to talk about. I really love the background people in this movie. This is mm. a world that feels lived in, and mm. everybody who's about feels like there's more going on. There's a, a bit earlier on where Kajino's looking to get out of the arena, and suddenly some guy falls off of something, mm. and everybody starts crowding around him, and it's like, what was that about? But it really is, it, it's represented in the end, the very end of the film, where Cage leaves, and we focus in on some construction workers getting back to work in the background. Yeah. Now, it turns out there's a point to this. I just really loved the idea of just moving on to a different part of the city where life goes on. That mm. really was a very peaceful moment for me. And I, I love the fucking song that starts. It's Meredith Brooks, Sin City. You might know Meredith Brooks are singing that song, uh, Bitch, in the late 90s. Oh, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. a bitch, uh, etc. And various <laughs> other things. Which does quote lyrics from the film, which is faintly hilarious. Um, I like the song. I like how it starts with its acoustic kind of thing, and it's you know female singer, and it's just kind of nice. In this town of pain, you could be the lucky one. It really powerfully for me invokes the feeling of the everything that's going on, the way it's looking, everything. The feeling of an end of a day. Mm. And that's that's a feeling that is now powerfully nostalgic for me. Ah, cool. And it's, yeah, probably one of my favourite parts of the film, actually. It's just the very end of it. I, I, I really like the ending. I really yeah. like it. Except there's not. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> fake news. I mean, I didn't have a one better thing as a success for me. No! We put this one to bed. Oh, Ransom's we? good. <laughs> Watch Ransom as well. Give him back his son. Ron... 
Directed, given back his son, directed by Ron Howard. I didn't appreciate. Yeah. I didn't appreciate. So. I, I know what you meant by that, but it, was, it sounded like <laughs> I really wish he hadn't have been involved with this in any way. <laughs> um, God damn it, Ron Howard. Thanks for listening to One Good Thing. Paul, time to dust off that test answer written in ink on your sweaty, on your sweaty palm. <laughs> How can the sweet people get even more One Good Thing? Right, here's what you do. You find a cat. You earn its trust. You bring it back to your house. <laughs> you get it... <laughs> You feed it only the finest foods, you get it nice and plump, you get it trusting you. Ah. And then, you wait for it to yawn, you go up to its mouth, you shout into its mouth, OGT! And it will, <laughs> without fail, perform for you the most recent episode of One Good Thing. Job's done. Also Facebook, if that's easier. The cat's obviously easier, but, um, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> More abundant, probably. Yeah, anyone, anyone who's feeling a bit niche, you can get an um, OGT pod and a Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, there's also a Patreon, which can be accessed through the other end of the cat. Fantastic. Fingers only. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers only. <laughs> I'll never stop at two. I'll wink. <laughs> oh, it certainly am. So I'm <laughs> I'm Paul Fingers. I'm Paul Cat's anus. <laughs> and remember, the one good thing about Snake Eyes is more than a few things you might have missed. There's quite a few things. Jesus, I also took a picture of Matthew McConaughey and he's staring dead at me as well. So maybe I'm just, I have a very conspicuous, I'm taking a picture face. It's because you take your cock out at the same time. <laughs> Under all the points. <laughs> Look at that guy. <laughs> There's one. <laughs> Occasionally people see the chin and go, is that Ryan Gosling? And they go, and I turn around and they go, oh no, it's just the opposite of that. <laughs> You're ready for the poor version! <laughs> then I come out. <laughs> <laughs> Come out in a t-shirt and jeans. <laughs> ah! Ah! Oh, where are they? Oh. Um, twice over. <laughs> the fuck does that mean? <laughs> in in the ever womb that I made out of my mum, <laughs> the noted, already noted paedophile, Jared from Subway, in uh, later scenes. His presence will be... They couldn't have planned it. They couldn't have planned it. They could have no. planned it. It'll wriggle on in there like a little buggy work. A little earworm. <laughs> and yet here, she crushes the donkey. Why? She crushes the donkey. Why? Don't mind, I'm gonna go make friends with the young stripper that I saved. I'm the ducks. <laughs> I'm a complicated character. Trust me. You're supposed to like <laughs> no, me, I think. So complicated thing is that I'm not. <laughs> at all. <laughs> Isn't that complicated? Makes me feel really conflicted how unconflicted I am. <laughs> Motherfucker. I'm gonna kick you into the fucking curb. Oh wait, you're my son. Fucking love you, son. I'm still gonna keep the shit out of you. Fucking love you. What are you wearing the fucking glasses for? They don't fit your character at all. <laughs> you fucking nerd. What's this haircut? <laughs> you remember the fucking Backstreet Boys? It's a spirograph of it's, misery. It's bendier than Christopher Nolan's grasp on things. It's it's it's, it's wavier than his hair. <laughs> um, it's, it's wavier than his gorgeous locks. Hair. Yeah. Looks glorious. I have. I was bestowed by the Greek goddess with the best hair in time. <laughs> Music by Hans. Funnily enough, it has actually been an incredible hindrance on my film career. <laughs> but if you listen quietly, you can hear it humming in the breeze. <laughs> Ellen Page, in this sequence, I would like for you, and she's just staring at his hair. <laughs> Ellen, please, not on the hair. My eyes are down here, Ellen. <laughs> Use the elevator, get decapitated. Use the stairs, get fit. I mean, come on. You don't want to lose weight that way. <laughs> and a picture of a head on the floor of an expression that's just like, 
Believe me. To someone like, yeah, the head's lying there going, should have taken the stairs. Boy, do I have a case of the Mondays. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, Millie, Millie Baby Bobby. Millie Baby Bobby. Her name. 11. Um, <laughs> they, I thought oh they were. Oh my fuck, that's 11. That's 11. Oh my, oh my God. fuck, everyone, that's 11. Holy fuck shit. Me sideways. Jesus, that's 11. Um, um, this won't bring him back, Vera. Then what will? I've tried everything. I've tried literally everything else. Therapy. <laughs> Some Frankenstein shit. Now I'm letting the big monsters go. Look, if you can make one of us come with a letter alone, with words alone, <laughs> we'll be there. We'll sit on that D. Or V. Whatever. <laughs> oh, baby. I'm going to sit on your badge. Great oh, monsters no. from Godzilla Lawyer. Lawyer? Law. Lawyer. <laughs> Godzilla's lawyers show up. Godzilla's the the, the <laughs> biggest monsters of them all. <laughs> <laughs> you got a little briefcase. <laughs> this guy got OJ on. <laughs> He's got glasses. <laughs> Defense rests. We're now here from the prosecution. <laughs> <laughs> Defense? <laughs> Defense? Objection!